Hello and welcome to FX Talk, an eBrew podcast all about the foreign exchange market, where we break down some of the main news headlines in financial markets and give our take on what these developments might mean for the world of FX. My name is Matthew Ryan, Head of Market Strategy here at eBrew, and I'm joined as always on the podcast by two of my colleagues, our Chief Risk Officer Enrique Diaz-Alvarez and Senior Market Analyst Roman Zuruk. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of FX Talk. And we've seen some pretty aggressive moves in the foreign exchange market since our last episode. Last week was all about inflation. The latest US and UK inflation reports were both released and both fell short of market expectations. In the US, the headline rate of inflation fell back to 3.2%, which is well below the 3.7% from the month previous. Uh, Indeed, monthly inflation failed to rise for the first time since July 2022, while the core measure, which strips out the the volatile components, also dropped to a two-year low 4%. This has very much cemented expectations that the Federal Reserve is done hiking rates, with futures seeing effectively no chance of another rate increase in the current cycle, and are now pricing in the first cut in May next year. We've subsequently seen a sharp sell-off in the US dollar, which has lost ground against pretty much every other major and emerging market currency since the release of the data. The US dollar index is now down around 2%. Euro dollar is trading at its highest levels since August. Uh, While sterling is also trading back above the 125 level for the first time since mid-September. That is despite a sharp drop in the latest UK inflation data, the main inflation measure in the UK, last week slumped to a two-year low 4.6%, with core prices also now growing at the slowest pace in a year and a half. Markets have generally cheered the news as this seemingly confirms the disinflationary trend that we're seeing globally, uh, and that central bank interest rates have probably now peaked. Stock markets have rallied, as have bonds, while emerging market currencies have also performed very well, Uh, led somewhat unusually by the Chinese yuan, which has been supported by some encouraging data out of Asia's largest economy. Uh, So what do you guys think of the recent inflation news out of both the US and the UK? And is this the final nail in the coffin for central bank rate hikes? Yeah, I I absolutely think that. Um, I have to uh, say that uh, Matt, especially Roman here, turned out to be writer than myself. I thought that it would be a little more difficult to, to bring inflation back to target than it's proving so far. Uh, the disinflationary trends are f- firmly in place, both uh, uh, in the U.S., the U.K., and, frankly, and, and it looks like the Eurozone as well, um, as according to the October reports. Um, the fact that uh, hikes have managed to do that, to bring inflation, core inflation down from six to seven percent rate to probably below four, well below four percent in the U.S. now, without having a recession or even as a significant uptick in unemployment is is impressive. I think is is uh, is the first time ever that I've seen core inflation come down so so much so fast without a, a recession. Um, clearly. I think that uh, the uh, rate hikes this cycle are done across the uh, major economic areas in advanced countries. 
Uh, there's still uh, quite a bit of work to be done. Still, but uh, U.S. inflation, core inflation, over the last three months is consistent with with three to three and a half percent. Nevertheless, it seems like maintaining rates at uh, the current level of five percent should be enough to to bring it down to uh, around two two and a half percent at some point in 2024. So I now think that uh, rate cuts moderate rate cuts in the second half of 2024 are in the U.S. are probably uh, a reasonable call at this point. I think it's uh, right now pretty common expectation and that the inflation uh, has been beaten uh, or at least is uh, stopped being scary. Uh, and uh, when we consider also uh, certain other factors uh, that we are watching like oil prices, uh, which have been relatively stable, even despite what has been going on in the Middle East. Uh, if we consider also that many economies are uh, losing uh, ground or the economic activity is set to be relatively weak in the coming quarters, uh, all those signs uh, suggest that inflation is not uh, likely going to be as much of a problem as uh, some were concerned earlier. Of course, there is the labor market, which is resilient in uh, many places that we watch, in majority, in fact. Uh, but we also have seen uh, some uh, loosening, even in the US, I think, in uh, recent weeks. So uh, this only assures me that uh, we are going to have uh, cuts in 2024. And I still think that cuts in uh, the first half of next year are likely. And I don't even think that the market pricing at this point, uh, which is penciling in the first cut in May, uh, is too aggressive. Uh, I think that uh, right now we have moved past the point that uh, we should be that concerned uh, with with price pressures. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think I agree with you guys. I think this certainly confirms our suspicions that the hiking cycles are now, are now done. Um, inflation rates are coming down pretty nicely, which should be good news for global growth. And of course, attention now can shift away uh, from inflation prints somewhat and more towards economic activity data. And of course, the, the timing of rate cuts. Um, I still think for the most part, we're looking second half of, of next year when it comes to, to US uh, rate cuts. I, I still think that the US economy is, is too strong uh, and that the Fed will want to see uh, a more sustained period of 2% inflation than the market is accounting for. Um, uh, and for me, I think that, that that makes the reaction that we've seen in the dollar uh, perhaps um, slightly more um, aggressive or exaggerated than I would have expected, um, which I think perhaps partly can be attributed to stretch investor positioning more so than anything else, um, uh, which maybe makes this, this correction that we have seen in the dollar um, warranted, given that actually the last two or three months prior, um, we had seen a pretty pretty decent rally in the in the dollar. Uh, we're going to move on now and uh, move on to our second main topic, which surrounds um, Euro, the eurozone and, and euro dollar. Uh, and amid this broad dollar weakness that we have seen since the latest inflation data, the euro dollar has rallied sharply and is at the time of this recording uh, trading above the 109 level. But uh, economic news out of the Eurozone has continued to underwhelm in recent weeks. The economy in the common bloc contracted by 0.1% in the third quarter of the year after barely expanding at all in the three quarters prior. Uh, the more timely indicators of economic activity have also been pretty soft as well, 
Uh, retail sales contracted in six of the past eight months on a monthly basis. The composite PMI continues to print well below the level of 50. Uh, well, the September industrial reduction data showed that output in the industrial sector shrank by 6.9% annually, which was the largest downturn since the height of the COVID lockdowns. And this is heightened concerns that the block, uh, the Eurozone, uh, uh, could enter into recession in the second half of this year amid tight financial conditions, uh, of course, elevated price pressures and uncertainty from abroad, notably the, the weak economic activity we're seeing in China. Uh, but is a recession in the block on the way? Uh, and could this lead to a bit of a retracement, perhaps, in euro dollar? What do you both think? Yeah, I mean, we have seen a very, very significant rally in the euro dollar, right? From one point, almost 1.04 at the low to now we're flirting, flirting with 110, which is starting to get close to a range where you could say the, the euro is fairly valued. And this is happening in the context of, of uh, really poor news from the European economy. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate that European economic figures are so lack that um, we're still talking about retail sales and industrial production for September. Uh, the only real uh, meaningful, timely indicator of the European economy is the PMI business sentiment numbers that are consistent with not just stagnation but recession and we keep hoping that the real production numbers the real economic numbers as they come out um, uh, are more optimistic than this negative PMI numbers but that that latest industrial production number for September is was was uh, pretty ugly um, all the numbers in the eurozone keep pointing to Frankly, either stagnation or more likely a recession or a contraction in in the fourth quarter of 2023. And regardless of how low uh, U.S. rates go in reaction to this this likely end of hikes, I struggle to see the euro getting past 110 in the context of a European recession. So I do think that the euro dollar rally may be getting way ahead of what the economic numbers justify. I might begin to change my num- my mind if we see a significant positive surprise in the PMI numbers, but we haven't really seen it. And it's already many months be- below the contraction level, clearly below the contraction level. I think the fact that the euro dollar uh, didn't really react negatively to, to all of the negativity from the economic data that we have witnessed uh, in recent weeks uh, proves what we have been saying earlier is that uh, a lot of this negativity has already been in the price. Uh, so the markets have generally expected uh, either zero growth or uh, slightly negative growth. But still, uh, this is not uh, any significant recession. This is only, I would say, uh, something akin to, to stagnation uh, more than a, a recession. And uh, also, I have this strong feeling that a lot of those uh, issues have to do with, with Germany and many other places uh, are not doing as poorly economically as as, uh, as the, uh, the biggest economy in the Eurozone. So uh, I wouldn't be uh, as uh, pessimistic when it comes to um, economic um, growth in the Eurozone moving forward. Uh, also looking at this industrial sector, uh, this weakness has been going on for a very, very long time, uh, right? And at some point, uh, we should probably start to see improvements. Perhaps there are not uh, a lot of reasons to expect it uh, in the immediate term, but uh, also uh, do we have strong reasons to believe that it's going to be significantly worse than it is right now? Uh, I don't think so. So um, I'm still relatively positive on the euro dollar. I think that uh, what we have witnessed has, has been a, a rather, a sharp move and I think that uh, 
gaining more in the near term would be difficult. Um, but uh, actually, I, I think that the uh, call for the euro dollar to, to move up uh, in the medium and the longer term uh, is still valid. Yes, I think you made a good point there, Roman. I think um, the, the general sort of feeling and expectation of the market is that this contraction or this, this recession that we do get in, in the eurozone will probably be pretty mild. Um, we're not going to see a big um, contraction in, in GDP, I wouldn't have thought. Although having said that, we are now in a pretty prolonged period where we've had effectively no growth at all in the eurozone. Um, and I've not seen anything in the data that would make me confident that a recession will be avoided uh, later this year. Um, I, I do get your point. I still still agree with the fact that I think there is a lot of pessimism priced into the Euro, Eurozone uh, and, and the Euro um, and lots of economic optimism priced into the dollar. So I think that's still uh, a clear positive for Euro dollar. Um, but recent data is undoubtedly concerning. Um, we've seen quite a few misses in the last sort of three or four major economic data releases in the last few weeks. If that trend continues if we keep seeing downside surprises and upcoming activity data that, that will that will be a, a big concern and and I think at some point we will see that reflected in the euro um, even though it, we haven't necessarily seen that uh, that just yet uh, we're going to move on now to our spotlight currency for the week which this week is the Japanese yen uh, and the yen has been in the news rather prominently in recent weeks um, now of course that's partly due to its importance to global foreign exchange markets, uh, but also it's been a pretty eventful period for the currency in recent weeks. Last week, uh, the USD JPY pair rose above the 152 level, which is around uh, its highest level and the lowest level in the yen in more than 30 years. Uh, what has driven this sell-off? Well, the Bank of Japan has continued to strike a pretty dovish tone in recent communications delaying expectations for both an end to the bank's yield curve control program and uh, negative interest rates. Uh, the, the governor of the Bank of Japan uh, said last week that the raising rates could have unintended consequences, while authorities have also poured cold water over the possibility of intervention in the FX market. Uh, having said that, expectations that the Bank of Japan will eventually begin raising rates early next year has partly helped the yen off its recent lows, as markets bet on a policy divergence with the Federal Reserve, which, of course, as we've said, is expected to begin cutting rates at some stage in 2024. Um, but when do we think we'll see this policy divergence and how far could the yen go from here? What do you guys think? I think that uh, to, to answer the original question of buy, hold, or sell, I think that the Japanese yen here is a clear buy. Um, on not only is it definitely probably the cheapest currency in the entire G10 by a, a number of indicators, whether it's uh, uh, nominal or real uh, valuation, um, at a 150 to the to the uh, dollar, and, and now even cheaper on trade weighted terms after this this rally of the euro against the dollar. Um, I, I and I, I think that the valuation is 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 one of the biggest deviation versus fair value that we've ever seen in the G10. In addition to that, I think there's a good chance that we go now into uh, 2024 
with monetary policies moving in opposite direction, where the uh, U.S. and most of the rest of the G10 have uh, perhaps not started to cut, but definitely are done with hikes, whereas the Bank of Japan still has uh, still has, has not even started the process of abandoning the uh, stimulative policies of, uh, of the pandemic. Uh, I think every to, to me that's that's probably the clearest buy I see in the entire G10. I would agree with that, uh, but also I would note that yen has been a, a very problematic currency, uh, in that uh, we have been calling for its uh, reversal in the currency, and not only ourselves but uh, many analysts, uh, and it hasn't happened yet, and uh, we don't really know when it will happen, but the arguments are piling up uh, in favor of of the yen. And uh, I'm also encouraged by the recent decline in yields uh, that we have seen globally. Uh, I think it should uh, prevent some uh, some uh, risk. We also uh, looking at the USD and JPY uh, have those lines in the sand, uh, or at least those lines that uh, the authorities uh, look at and uh, tend to intervene around them. And uh, we are currently close to those lines, so the markets may not be eager to to test. Uh, the patience of uh, Japanese authorities. So I think that uh, there is uh, an upside to the yen. Uh, at, it should be realized at some point uh, next year, perhaps. Uh, but for that, I think we would probably need to see a shift from the Bank of Japan. And it has been rather reluctant uh, to make a, a strong changes to its policy uh, and its signaling especially. And we would also need to see a uh, decisive shift uh, with regards to the uh, approach of the global central banks uh, towards uh, rate cuts. Uh, if uh, we get that, uh, then I think we would be uh, likely, we would likely to see uh, yen uh, rallying very sharply. Uh, I think it will probably be a uh, rather uh, sudden move instead of a, a gradual adjustment. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw the USD and JPY at around 130 or even lower. Yes, well, I mean, you've touched on it. I think the, the, the Bank of Japan is going to be absolutely key for the yen next year. Um, I, I, I agree with you guys. I still, I still think there's plenty of room for the yen to go um, and plenty of room to appreciate because we are still waiting for that hawkish shift from the Bank of Japan. We, we, we've not really seen that at all yet. Communications up until now have been still been very dovish, um, both suggesting no rush to hike interest rates, and also slightly concerning, very limited appetite seems to intervene in the market, which is uh, what we had expected around these levels. But I think if you look at economic conditions in Japan, um, I, I still think hikes are warranted uh, probably early next year. Uh, I still are going to stand by the call for a, a first rate hike in the first quarter of 2024. Um, if, you know, if we put aside the soft growth performance in Q3, Actually, growth in Japan this year has been pretty decent. Uh, inflation, particularly the, the underlying, uh, underlying core core measure, still remains above target. Uh, and also wages next year in Japan look set to be hiked rather substantially. Um, so I, I think that still justifies a tighter policy early next year, which should, I still hope, lead to this um, yen appreciation, um, particularly as I said, should the Bank of Japan raise rates in, in the first quarter of next year, given that this is now no longer priced in by markets.
And that's it from us. If you're keen to hear more about our thoughts on the FX market, visit Ebreed's website or follow us on social media. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on your favourite podcast app. And let us know if there are any topics you'd like to hear more on during upcoming episodes. Keep an eye out for our next episode in a fortnight's time. Thank you all very much for listening.